Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Brett, Ed, Fran, Johnny, Matt and Paul, helping you to build more muscle and to lose weight with a hint of banter and a dash of humour. Enjoy this week's episode. We're live, Edward. Episode number 149. 149. 149 eggs. This is take two. <laughs> yeah, this does feel a little bit like deja vu. Um, I suppose for the benefit of everyone else. If it was. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> Radio Science oh, is really jazzy. good on podcast. They are a little too jazzy, yes. Uh, too jazzy? Yeah. Yeah, too jazzy. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag inside joke. Now, in the first recording, bear in mind we hadn't got too far into this isn't going to be like other times we've had to re-record an entire episode, which was incredibly frustrating. Um, we're only really going to have to re-record the bit about me taking the piss out of your jazzy top you've got on. A jazzy top, yeah. Um, basically, I'm wearing a very colourful um, rugby sevens top uh, that we had made for a, a rugby uh, competition we played in a good few years ago when we were back at university. It is incredibly jazzy, um, as rugby it's, sevens tops are. I think yeah. it's uh, it's too jazzy. Too jazzy. Is <laughs> it, it offending your eyes? Um, no, it's all right. Let's be honest, most sports tops are quite jazzy. Mm, or colourful, most, at least. I'd say yeah. most, no. Plenty are, I should say, rather than most. And you know, it's reasonably acceptable to be to be quite jazzy uh it brings me back actually memories of a warrior liverpool football kit so the brand warrior um, mm. not actual warrior uh they had a it's purple with white sleeves and it had on the white sleeves some sort of like tribal design a bit like my old tribal tattoo nice nice wasn't, wasn't particularly nice although it did grow <laughs> on me a little bit after a while yeah. I think that might be seeing Luis Suarez score a hat-trick against the beloved Norwich City Canaries in it. That obviously, um, especially because it reminds me of a particular moment in, it was nil-nil at the time, I was sitting in, because obviously I live in Norwich, but I was sitting in the upper river end of Norwich City Stadium, which is a home end, um, surrounded by Norwich City fans. Um, and there was a moment where Luis Suarez ran for on goal and missed the one-on-one, and the entire Barclay, which is basically Norwich's more raucous end of the the, uh, the stadium, basically just all giving the wanker signs, going, you fuckers, you missed. <laughs> uh, literally, the game restarts, goalkeeper passes the ball out to Elliot Bennett, if I remember, uh, Luis Suarez robbed him, nutmegged him on the edge of the box, went through and scored, and then obviously he went to give all the shit to the Barclay again. <laughs> <laughs> Great. They get fine for doing that now, wouldn't they? I'm actually looking at this kit, and it is jazzy. Um, I've typed in Liverpool Warrior Purple Kit. Yeah. One of the first photos. And it's, like you say, a light purple main body, like the tank top part of the body yeah. of the top. And then the arms are, yeah, white with shit tribal tattoos. <laughs> it's, it's funny how when you... Um... When you think of a like football kit, you think of a. I always, I always get like one person usually springs to mind while wearing it, and that was ki- uh, kit always springs to uh, my mind. Lucas Labour. Don't know why. That is no. He is a uh, Brazilian that uh, didn't have a great time at Liverpool for a while, um, for a few moments. I think mostly because Liverpool fans didn't like him coming in, and I think Rafa thought he might be the replacement for Steven Gerrard at some point, and I think Liverpool fans didn't like that. And he was nowhere near. He was nowhere near as good as Steve Jobs. However, he did become a cult hero and um, is a is a was was a really good player by the end of his career. But there we go. Fair enough. There we go. A little trivia yeah. for you. Yeah. Obviously, we don't want this to become um, uh, a phone call between two mates. So, um, what have you been up to this glorious weekend? Um, in um, some sort of quite brief synopsis. Obviously, self isolating. Uh, did a nice thirty miles on the bike yesterday uh, down the lane. I hope it took you less than an hour. 
it, which clearly 50, it didn't because there's no way on earth, there's no way on earth you managed 30 mile an hour average 59.5 or uh, 0.3 uh, seconds yeah, yeah sure. uh, <laughs> uh, um yeah, we know we went down the lanes and yeah, didn't really see anybody else, which was quite good. Um, but uh, yeah, so did did a bit of a bike ride yesterday, and then today I decided to paint the house at uh, the back of the house, um, paint like the the render, and um, then I realised uh, as I was then taking down the shed in the afternoon because we got a shed that we don't use and we never have used, and it's just encouraging clutter by having it. So um, it literally feels like we doubled the size of the garden as well by taking it down because it's quite a big shed. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was on the roof of that, taking it all down, and realised that I missed a patch uh, behind the drain pipe. On the, on the, oh, uh, yeah. oh, so yeah. Really so, but anyway, so uh, yeah. So and then I took down the shed. So um, then I made the best beef roast dinner I have ever made in my life. It was amazing. I, um, I had a roast dinner for dinner. Did you? Not really. To be honest, it was just roasted vegetables. Uh, I think it was basically. Raw, uh, roasted potatoes parsnips and carrots all together roasted in air fryer so not really roasted air fried uh, and then <laughs> a load of green veg stuck in a uh, steamer so i think it had um oh what is it called it's a type of cabbage like heart cabbage gem cabbage something like that it's basically like a pyramid almost cabbage not right. cone it's more like a cone yeah. it's like okay. a cone shaped cabbage i think it's like Sweetheart cabbage. I think that's what it's called. Damn, it just right. came to me. I think it's called sweetheart cabbage. Um, basically, just like a slightly whitey green cabbage. Um, very nice. Uh, peas, broccoli, and I had heck chicken sausages and gravy. So it's kind of a roast. The week. Yeah. yeah. So kind of a roast, but nowhere near a roast. Yeah, I would be honest. I wouldn't even put gravy on it, but Jenna wanted gravy, so I had, I had to make some. And yes, it was uh, Bisto out of a packet. So. Oh, my, my gravy was oh, all the meat juices. Um, just everything wouldn't, oh, wouldn't be having that if he's dieting uh, for a holiday for another well how, how long away would it be now for four weeks uh, I've got over 12 yeah I've got over 12 well, months to diet now so <laughs> mate you think you're going on holiday in 12 weeks I don't think so <laughs> 12 months sorry to, over 12 say, months <laughs> I'll be honest I'd be surprised yeah. if, it's, if we can't even travel in 12 months genuinely but that's like another conversation for another time um yeah, but no problem. That that's uh, kept busy. Kept busy. Self isolating. Yeah, good. I think you need to yeah. obviously. Well, going back a couple of episodes, the stuff we talked about in terms of mental well being and, and during isolation in this pandemic, I think you need to do stuff to keep busy. Um, I think you need to take some time to relax, but I also think you do need to have some form of targets or tasks to feel like you've achieved something rather than just milling around at home constantly. Oh god, yeah, and that's why taking the shed down was a good bit of fun and then i basically stacked all that up all the panels and everything in the garage and that's another day's worth of like chopping wood and stuff like that how did you take it down did you take it down panel by panel yeah yeah pretty much i, so, I would have smashed the shit out of it i'm sorry i would have I just did literally bit, smashed the shit out of it one of the panels i did because they'd used like um like a glue almost to put the panels together as well as all the screws and nails and everything um and i think basically somebody had reinforced it they'd changed all the roof on it and they i think they turned it into a bit of an office because there was a like a, a big chunky electrical cable going in not just like a normal extension lead but like a real big chunky uh, you know you can I, tell i don't know about electrics but um, um i was going to say it sounds like maybe someone has um taken it down and put it back up together like maybe moved house with it or something Potentially, yeah, yeah. Well, it had this like kind of gluey stuff. So even though we're taking every single screw out of it, it still was not. It wouldn't have even blown over in the the heavy winds we've now got. Um, so I did. There was a bit of 
kicking and hammering and uh, and then i've thought well and that, and that I, was uh, just alex Green. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, i did think i hope nobody works nights and they just come home and <laughs> they're trying to sleep <laughs> so that's, def- um, that's definitely how i would have dismantled it i'd have just taken the opportunity just to go fucking destructive mode on it and just start kicking the crap out of it but well there was inside they built um they'd like put all sort of reinforcements in as though they'd had shelves and stuff in there and taken the shelves with them and there was a bit of a desk and uh, there was also a cat flap into it which was very weird uh it's just a cat's house yeah yeah really and obviously the cat like tv so yeah but it had a (laughs) proper little laminate floor in there and everything um so um yeah so that was really uh, so what i've done basically is i've taken all this you had like 2v2 loads of 2v2 wood in there which was like pretty much good as new so i've taken all that and my plan for the, the rest of the week is to try and make a bench out of it and uh, a little sort of squats and bench press rack out of it so oh, well, see good yeah. luck with that yeah so keep me keep me busy well, uh my, my, spending a lot of money on one um yeah yeah i was gonna say my task for the last couple of days have been i have steam clean not steam cleaned pressure wash sorry my patio and my, my garden uh path Yes, I saw, yeah. It yeah. took me two whole days. And yes, I did draw penises in it. <laughs> well, your first story of it, and you were like going up and down, I thought, why isn't he drawing a penis? And then your next story was a penis. <laughs> yeah, well, no, no word of a lie. I had two other people message me saying something along the theme of, um, I was hoping you were going to draw a penis. And then I saw your next story, and you had drawn a penis. <laughs> and I was like... You are never too old to not enjoy a comedy penis. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Alex did all ours in the first week uh, of Draw isolation. Oh. Um, I don't know whether she did or not. She never sent me <laughs> penises. <laughs> so that was great fun, and it felt like I achieved something, so that's good. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. to be fair, it was great fun for a while, and then after a while you think, oh, I really want to get this done. It took, honestly, it took me the not full two full days, but it probably took me all the time together at least five or six hours, I reckon. Mm. So I did. Cut, yeah, I did yeah. cut both Great. the front and back grass. And what else did I do? Um, bu- 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 I don't even know what else I did. Oh, clean, clean one of the cars. Cleaned the old banger. Um, I think that's the first time I cleaned it in the three years I've owned it. If I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> Are your arms still vibrating from the pressure washer? Uh, no. That's no just, it's that's... Time to get like a. I feel like I'm vibrating for about an hour after no. doing it. No. Uh, yeah. Anywho, yeah. so uh, moving on. So that's only ten minutes of uh, the talk between two friends. Um, <laughs> today we are going to talk about something that I am surprised we have not done before. Uh, so when I kind of came up with the topic, I thought well, surely we've done this, but clearly we haven't because I went through the list. So um, we're just going to talk about, I suppose, I don't want to call it nutritional uh, considerations for the elderly, but that's probably what's going to be called. So because um, it, it kind of says what we're going to be talking about <laughs> yeah yeah it says what it what we're going to talk about in the tin doesn't it yes it, yes, it does so um and the reason this uh, i suppose this is something that is mm, hugely important to me um because because you're getting old because i'm getting old um i have not hit the defining age of elderly yet i have you fucking know it but that's that is absolutely disgraceful accusations um i know many probably 10 years off it but no, I'm jokes. Um, we will define what elderly is actually, and I think that's more to do with the research and the individuals that it's done on, rather than what other people might think is elderly. But anyway, by the by, um, now I've lost my train of thought. What I was saying. Uh, oh, the reason it's close to my heart is because I suppose it's like one of those things where I think as you as you grow up as a kid, 
you feel like your parents and kind of those sort of people are superhuman and they'll be around forever. And I think there's a point in everyone's life where you suddenly realise how vulnerable like your parents are because they, they obviously they get old. Um, and that that wasn't too far away ago. It kind of happened to me where I started to really worry about my parents and my parents' health. And um, they've got no health issues, and there's no reason why I should worry other than obviously they're getting older. I mean, they're in they're both now just about sixty or hit just hit their sixties. Um, and I guess you just start to think as you're now like the adult and the the middle child. Obviously, me having children as well, so I'm not the middle child, the middle generation, because I've now got children. My sister's got children, and I start to realise that actually they're not they're not going to be around forever and they're not superhuman so i suppose the point why it's close to my heart is because i i've obviously my interest and my um knowledge and my qualifications within nutrition and fitness has meant that i've really tried to kind of push a lot of those ideals onto my parents because i want them to be as fit and healthy as they possibly can and they're doing they are doing all right you know let's say there's no health issues and stuff but there's certainly in terms of kind of nutrition especially there's things they could definitely do more of which i would like them to do because i feel like there's a huge amount of evidence behind some of the the things they could do to improve um i'm I'm probably sound a bit wishy-washy because i'm trying not to get into any of the content yet um but there's there's more they there's a lot more they could basically do nutritionally to help improve their chances of having a, a, a healthier and stronger and happier um i suppose latter part of their lifetime so. Yeah, yeah, I'm seeing it with my nan at the moment. Like she's she like she's falling apart. She's 88, and uh, she's been in that hospital a lot in the last 12 months. Yeah, so great age. Um, she still lives on her own and all that. So she's very independent. And it's only really in the last 12 months she's kind of started to to really sort of fall apart and um, with various sort of bits going on and all this. And um, a lot of it's to do with sodium though, and like sends are absolutely like just batshit basically because she has these massive sodium drops um and um yeah she's just yeah she's very very weird but then as soon as they bring her sodium levels back up again it's like there's nothing ever happened to her so yeah very very strange well i guess we're uh, not, i guess we're not medical professionals um despite being no. qualified in nutrition we're not medical professionals so i guess there's a lot of stuff which happens without really anything to do with their nutritional intake yeah 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 well yeah because she i mean she eats She's fairly well, you know, popping the old sausage roll here and there. She, uh, you know, a lot of single ingredient foods and, and yeah, so, um, yeah, so very, 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 very weird. But obviously there's some medical condition there and, and everything. But, uh, yeah, so she, and, and just seeing that and kind of like her movements like dropped off the off the scale and stuff just because she is just like she's moving less because she's older and she's worried she's going to fall. So she moves even less. So then she's getting, you know, all the things that we're going to talk about now and I'm you know, really, really sort of seeing it and, um, when we go off and do the shopping, obviously try and make sure that we try and get stuff that's going to be good for her in, um, mm. and uh, yeah, kind of maintaining herself as much as possible. So yeah, uh, okay. So I guess let's move into the the kind of the more common age related problems um, that you kind of see in in the elderly. So age related. So one one will be sarcopenia. So we'll touch on that. Um, there's also osteoporosis. Is it is something that it seems to be or is uh, more common as you get old, um, and then age related weight loss we're going to talk about. So very quite structured mm. today. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, the age related weight loss is quite interesting. It is. Uh, it is quite yeah. interesting. Um, so do you want to? Should we, should we start with sarcopenia? And do you want yeah. to? Um, I suppose define what sarcopenia is in case people are unaware because. I'll be honest, I imagine most people aren't unless they are in the fitness industry themselves or have a reason to know about sarcopenia. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, 
it's definitely one of those words when you try and read it off a piece of paper, you're like, it's and I think it's foreign or something. Um, but it's uh, basically a progressive and generalized loss of skeletal muscle mass and strength um, with a risk of adverse outcomes such as physical disability, poor quality of life and death. And that's from a, a little... Um, uh, description from a guy called Cruz Gentoft et al. Um, yeah, so uh, so basically, yeah, so uh, it's a loss of muscle mass and strength, um, which can then have sort of adverse effects uh, because of that. So. Yeah, so I guess age age related loss of muscle mass. So it's basically just physical decline as you get older um, because you're losing muscle mass. So, which clearly we don't want to happen. Um, I think in that same study there was a. Um, projection of uh, muscle mass declining by around one percent per year from its peak um which if i remember rightly was around age 55 ish peak of like muscle that. yeah it's a lot lower than that isn't it it's 20s isn't it no as in not as in, no i think i'm sure in terms of its peak is certainly around that sort of age it's not not 20s definitely not uh, so I'm, I'm sorry i'm thinking of um ability to develop muscle mass more you peak at about 25 i think uh, probably don't actually know don't actually know but um there's also another study for maltese at all where it showed that there's a sharp decline in uh muscle mass in postmenopausal women as well so once women hit uh, the menopause and go through the menopause they seem to have a you know, a much uh sharper drop in muscle mass so it's kind of like I suppose either of those points are that as you get older you're you're losing muscle mass, um, which is an issue. So kind of like what are the main issues for someone? And you've kind of touched on some with your own example, really, of your grandmother, haven't you? But um, what are some of the main issues we see with people that are developing sarcopenia and reducing muscle mass over time? Yeah, so um, you're obviously going to be more likely to fall, and I think sometimes when you get the there's like the knock-on effect of that then. So if you are more likely to fall and you've had a bit of a trip or a fall, then you become a bit more worried. So you shorten your gait and things like that. So and you should kind of shuffle more because you're worried, um, which then you're not exercising the muscle properly. So you kind of get more of a breakdown and yeah, that sort of stuff. So yeah, so you're more likely to fall, which in turn can break a bone, uh, which then means you're going to be bedridden. So you're definitely going to have sarcopenia then. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so as I sort of said, you can, uh, the, the falls are associated with a greater functional decline, um, physical activity restrictions. So you're not obviously going to go running around with the grandkids as much if you're kind of worried that you potentially are going to fall trip or that sort of stuff. Um, so, and then you start to not go out as much. You kind of say, oh, you know, I'm not going to go for that walk in the park with the family. I'm just going to stay at home. And it's kind of, yeah, a bit of a, uh, an ongoing cycle then. Um, and uh, once you've already fell, uh, you can be up to 2.8 times as likely to fall again. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I think there was a study by, I'm trying to think of memory now, but I can't remember who it was, so I'm going to try and find it. Um, oh, uh, I think one might be uh, Cortabine et al. And, or Gill et al., um, where they basically said that um, t -t 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 10 days in a hospital bed leads to 10 years worth of uh, lost muscle mass in people aged over 80. Now, I guess there's a lot to, to kind of come out, take out of that in terms of 
I don't know if you can extrapolate that as fact based on that study, but I guess I would like to take out this, the sentiment of what, what we do know is like hospital stays and then therefore being um, inactive in a, in a bed, in bed rest, can have huge detrimental effects to people's muscle mass, um, even in quite short periods. And I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of studies out there and I can't tell you off the top of my head what they are, but... I'm sure there was, I've read some studies out there where they've shown that like the correlation of amount of hospital stays in age um, showed a significant drop in or, or, or um, not drop in mortality, high, a higher rate of mortality. Are you die quicker? You have you obviously have a um, more risk of falling again and that type of stuff, which obviously then kind of compounds the additional uh, unhealthfulness of being in a hospital. So does that make sense? Mm, yeah, 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 I was just trying to see if I could find my notes on. I, I must have handwritten them instead of on my computer. Um, for the last MNU Live day we went to, and they talked about. I'm sure he talks about hospital stays there, but in a younger population, not quite as old as 80s. Um, and yeah, did we touch upon it when we talked about injuries? Um, I think there was. I don't know if we did. Um, yeah, when we talked about injuries in one of the previous episodes, probably about 10 or 15 episodes ago. Um, maybe a bit longer uh, and we, we said there about how breaking a bone hospital stays and all that sort of stuff but then obviously you can get it back as well and like just to suppose like a bit of um, observation from, from my nan uh, she sort of has a couple of weeks in hospital and then it takes her a while to get going again it really does like she has to have physio again get moving she struggles to get out of the seat but when she kind of masters that then she can shuffle around on a frame then she moves on to a stick and then she can kind of like shuffle a few steps on her own um, so it is about the kind of building things back up again. So you must be able to, even at that age, at 88, you can still kind of build on that muscle mass again. Yeah. Um, but well, you know that's not going to be anywhere near as much as uh, somebody our age. So. No, I was going to say you can't. I'm sure. Obviously, you know, we're not. We want to play. We want to play. We don't want to play it down like it's completely pointless trying because obviously, clearly, you can make improvements. Um, even if it's trying to retain muscle mass that you that you still have, rather than than kind of seeing this acceleration of sarcopenia. Um, but it's not going to be the same as it would be for someone younger having a hospital say, um, stay say, and therefore potentially losing some muscle mass because they've been bedridden for a long time, um, or even you know short period, as I said. And, they will have the benefit of things like muscle mass or muscle memory, I should say, uh, and be able to then recoup and, and gener- regenerate some of that muscle mass. I think when you're older, um, there's less chance and, and less ability to do that. One of the things being like the for reason of sarcopenia in the first place, which is essentially just like being more uh, or have a higher uh, resistance to the anabolic stimulus. So, you know, we talked about enough times in, in kind of like the more the bodybuilding context of maximizing muscle protein synthesis so the, the the positive side of muscle buildings which you can do by weight training you can do by positive protein um consumption um and kind of having these regular spikes of mps uh, to basically have a positive outcome over muscle protein breakdown now when you're older you need more protein and you need um, a higher stimulus to basically have the same effect because you're more resistant to these this protein stimulus so it's going to obviously make it harder for you to regain any muscle loss um, and make it harder for you to even retain your muscle as you get older now it doesn't mean it's impossible because it's not and we're going to give you some you know i'll just give you a couple really already anyway what we can do to try and help fight it but um it is it does get harder as you get older because you become more you become less sensitive to kind of like the anabolic signals that that help you retain and generate more muscle mass because you have this higher um, resistance 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and also, like, the, if you look after your muscle mass earlier on in life, then you've got more of it to, to, lose. to lose. Yeah, so that's kind of you know, putting you in a better better standpoint, isn't it? It's giving yourself a head start. So uh, obviously we can't predict whether we're going to be bedridden in a few years or um, you know, more years for, for some more years for some of us than others um but you, you don't know you don't know what's going to happen you could have a fall and you could be bedridden for eight weeks you just don't know do you um so if you can build up muscle mass you know not saying you need to be on a schwarzenegger huge but he's gonna have a, a less chance of falling probably than um somebody who's never sort of done any resistance training or anything like that so um yeah no, that, uh, that's a that's a really good point in that you shouldn't you, you shouldn't be waiting until you are defined as elderly to do this type of stuff because like you've just said ed you want to protect yourself prior to that you want to have more muscle mass so you can afford to lose more and be in a better position um plus i think a lot of it will will, the kind of the less quantitative 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 less quantitative side of it and more qualitative is the fact that if you start earlier you're going to ingrain those habits earlier Therefore, you're more likely to keep those habits up in those later years, which will help you in the long run. That's obviously something I think a lot of people won't even consider as well. Rather than, you know, I'm suddenly 60 and think I'm going to start going to the gym because I want to improve my my health and I want to improve my muscle mass now that I'm older. Well, you need to do it earlier to ingrain those habits so that they're just, you're continuing them out throughout your life. Yeah. And like when, if you go to the gym in the day, like you go to a, you know, general, especially like a leisure center gym, you do see all the oldies in there and, and that, and they're, uh, you know, doing doing their bit. And that's great to see. But because the gym's kind of becoming more popular over the, the more current years, as opposed to, say, 30, 40 years ago, they potentially, so like our grandparents' generation, didn't really have the um, the ability to, uh, to, to do that, and it wasn't really a thing and all that sort of stuff. So they're a bit behind in that sort of sense. But now we know all this. Um, if you look at the guys who are builders who you know have manual jobs or did have manual jobs they're probably the fitter ones now who are in their you know 70s and 80s so like just taking my granddad for example he is 76 something like that 75 and he uh still goes out on the bike a couple of times a week um you know do 30 40 miles um he's uh been a wagon driver all his life um he mostly had a desk job but he does you know gets out in the yard and everything um but now he's gone back to driving wagons at 76 uh to keep himself active um he's probably one of the fittest 76 year olds you've, you've ever met um so you know to be able to go out and do 40 mile on the bike in the afternoon and and that it's it's great to see um, i think so. that's, i definitely think that's a generational thing in obviously mm. kind of that generation of your grandparents just were more active than kind of our generation so we obviously like kind of almost now need the gym to be active because most of us aren't yeah exactly exactly because yeah yeah and because the jobs aren't the same and you know we're not going out like you see ramblers and stuff like that you know how many older ramblers do you see that uh you know riddled with health issues they're not because they're you know fit and active so um yeah exactly it's generational isn't it so whereas now we kind of say you look at the gym and stuff but we don't even have to when we're saying resistance training and stuff like that yeah okay that is quite a gym focused thing but if you're going out and you're uh, you know, just staying active by going and doing, you know, an hour's walk every day, like what people are trying to do at the moment, that's going to be like, yeah, it's going to go a long way to helping if you can continue that for, you know, you have to do an hour every day, but, you know, or go out on the push bike or whatever. 
um, it's going to go a long way. Yeah, so let's get on to what we can do. So I've kind of mentioned a couple already, so I'll just go through those. So um, because you are this mechanism for this, the the well, the cause I should say of sarcopenia is this increased resistance to the anabolic stimulus. Um, you kind of basically need more stimulus to, to have the same effect. So having a higher protein diet, so trying to encourage your 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 parents or your you know kind of your elderly relatives or your elderly friends or whoever you might be, assuming that you are not in that category yourself. But I'm just trying to think like for myself, I try and encourage my parents to have higher protein. So I'll talk to them around kind of like protein sources and and kind of how you can inc- increase your protein within your meals, that type of stuff. But I also tried to get them to buy whey. Well, actually, I bought it myself, some whey protein. Um, just as a really easy way to get some protein in the morning. So just some kind of like general tips like that would might just be to say, look, let's try and get a higher protein because we know that general population's protein intakes are on the lower side from what most people would recommend for, for optimal health anyway. I say most people, us, would recommend for optimal health. Um, if you then need even more than that because we're saying that you have this increased resistance to antibiotic stimulus, then you probably you need to go over and above just kind of sticking a protein source of a meal um mainly because you need a higher leucine threshold per l content sorry to hit the threshold per meal as you then generally someone that isn't or doesn't have an increased stimulus to um or resistance to antibiotic stimulus car struggling tonight again um shouldn't have had that decaf coffee really hit me so <laughs> i mean sleep yeah. <laughs> so so obviously where we might say i don't know um trying to give some numbers to make it a bit easier um if we're saying like i don't know two and a half grams might be like the optimal um leucine content to increase muscle protein synthesis or to maximally increase muscle protein synthesis for like your average healthy individual um who isn't suffering from sarcopenia um you might need i can't do remember the figures but you're looking twice. like 2.8 something like well, three sort of around you know three plus aren't you i think yeah so uh, oh there you go padden jones at all 2004 so high doses of amino acids stimulate muscle protein symptoms to uh to a similar extent the young so high doses of 10 to 15 grams of amino acids or essential amino acids so i mean you're talking there uh nearly twice as much as you might have for you know a younger healthier in air quotes person or individual that doesn't suffer from 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 sarcopenia so yeah and i think that looking at looking at the research and stuff as well where they're sort of saying that for for protein throughout the day looking at kind of the 1.3 1.4 grams per kilo of uh, of body weight um most people don't even hit that like you know and when they're in the 30s they're probably eating around a gram per kilo um so you know if you're an 80 kilo male or female, um, you're eating about 80 grams a day. That's that's pretty normal. Um, it should be a lot higher for all the reasons we're kind of discussing. Um, but what we're saying here is that an elderly person should be eating, you know, a lot more than that, a, a lot more than that, you know, around 120, 130, 140 uh, grams of protein. So that is three to four servings of protein a day of, you know, 30, 40 grams a day. Um, so, yeah. Obviously, those numbers will differ on individual circumstances like their you know body weight and, and stuff yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, you know just just some rough numbers to get people some more more pragmatic or practical yeah and um so yeah so it, it is a case of probably what you're doing now isn't 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 good enough and we've kind of hopefully those who are listening to this podcast are a bit more kind of 
um, wary of the health and they do you know have good three different decent servings of protein a day or you know at least uh, if not more um, so yeah so especially if they've listened to a few of these episodes and they've taken anything on board um, yeah so I'm thinking people like me who might be thinking or listen to this because they want to help like their parents health and that type of mm, stuff yeah, yeah definitely yeah. There's, a, there's also some uh, I guess some ideal that you might have rather so i'm just trying to think in terms of like the amount of protein you might have um there could be uh, a benefit to having like less meals but higher protein doses than kind of smaller meals but um sorry more meals but smaller protein doses there might be more benefit basically eating more protein at once rather than having small amounts so just because purely that resistance again it has less effect trying to stimulate muscle protein synthesis having like i don't know five 20 gram protein meals that it would do to have in two and a half oh, i've done my maths really poor haven't i four four 20 gram protein meals instead of like say 180 gram or 240 grams so so that so if even if your intake is the same amount in terms of total protein there could be some benefit to having higher amount higher amounts of protein in smaller meals than the other way around it's basically what i'm trying to say in a really long-winded meal yeah but if you can obviously increase that protein amount in across all three meals Perfect. And better, yeah. I'm just saying, you're better off going over and above and making sure you hit muscle protein synthesis thresholds by having higher meals. Basically, what I'm trying to say, than mm. than basically missing out because you're you've just you've had smaller doses and spread over like a longer period. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Um, or a simple or another solution might be to have a dish, just add some leucine. So if you've kind of got a, a grandparent or a parent that's happy to supplement, you know, just have to get a leucine supplement and take it alongside. The, the kind of the meal that might be uh, an easy workaround if you kind of struggling to have more protein in meals because of fullness or you know preference or taste or whatever just you know because a lot of this studies are great but if people aren't going to follow it and um, you might have to find another way around that could be a simple way only caveat i would say is if you ever had leucine supplements they taste like shit so, yeah they don't um, mix well either do they um I can't if you get the, you can get it in like a powdery form yeah. you can get a tablet as well can't you and yeah i think the tablet would be the way forward if you were going to go for kind of leucine supplementation unless they've just got better oh because i haven't had it in for as long as i can remember so unless it's just got better and they now make better you know tasting or mixing like creatine used to be disgusting but now mm. like, most creatines are pretty good actually you can get some flavor ones which can easily be drunk in water and taste like squash so um shall we move on to the next bit so other things and you mentioned the um the health at every age conference we went to last year um one of the things brought out there was some new research on fish oils and we obviously did a podcast on that a while ago um just after that conference so um fish oils basically have shown this this is what the research the latest research showed but um We've got a study here from Smith et al. 2011, where fish oils uh, showed an increase in muscle sensitivity in 65-year-olds or 65-plus-year-olds. So they took eight-week supplementation with 3.4 grams of EPA, DHA. So that's not 3.4 grams of fish oil, by the way. That's the amount of EPA and DHA in those fish oils. That's probably depending upon how high-strength your fish oils are. That might be a lot. So that might be eight, nine grams, 10 grams maybe of fish oils, which is a lot you you your one gram capsule which you normally would take is one gram so it might be eight or nine capsules so it is a lot however um they did show that um it approximately doubled the muscle um phospholipid omega-3 fatty acid content and increased activation of mTOR 
um, which mTOR is basically the signal for muscle protein synthesis, the activation of muscle protein synthesis. So basically what it's saying is fish oils increase muscle sensitivity, so therefore they were more um, susceptible to build susceptible, the right word, more, they could build muscle better. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, pushing your body in a better position for absorbing yeah. and building. So, and obviously, there is research continuing to emerge on that. Um, how much you'd have to take, probably quite a lot by the looks of the research. That's the thing that might be the off putting thing for people where they don't want to take five, six, seven grams of fish oils a day potentially. A bit expensive as well, um, popping that much. But yeah. I suppose also, like, if you think back again, generational things. Cod liver tablets for your L, L like, you know. Well, they used to, living, yeah. yeah. They used to pop them, not, not tablets, mate. Most of them used the, to take the fucking uh, out of a bottle. Yeah, sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, full of sugar helps the medicine. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, so it's something that they may already be doing. They just may need to up the dosage a little bit. So, yeah. Well, there's some more. So I've got a couple other studies. So Radaki et al. 2012, two grams of fish oil supplementation for 90 days augmented increases in muscle strength and functional capacity in elderly women. Um... So two grams of fish oil, so two capsules doesn't seem too difficult to do. Three grams of fish oil, supplement for 18 weeks, augmented increase in muscle function and quality in older women, de Boit et al, de, de Bois, de Boit, I don't know, don't even pronounce that, 2017. Basically, so it might only be two, three, three grams of fish oil, they might be enough to show some benefits. So Yeah, um, I think with some of the earlier research, they were probably through bits that they've picked up on and other research that wasn't necessarily directly aimed at this kind of sort of study um it might have thought right we need to go really really high here so they've gone really high and now basically all the research has been done right well can we go a bit lower can we go a bit lower can we make it more realistic does that still have the same effect is there a um like a plateau bit you know where two grams may be enough and if you have three grams it's not really going to bring in any increases in sensitivity and all that sort of stuff so it, that's kind of yeah well i don't know if it's got a dose response relationship or not yeah um, so i'll be honest i don't know that literature well enough to go through it in or without having to go through it all again but um anyway so that's basically what i recommend maybe a minimum of two three grams per day based on you know those those couple of studies anyway like say the smith one um 3.4 grams of epa dha is quite a lot so like I say it'll be probably be eight nine ten grams maybe so that'd probably be too much for people but um certainly two or three um and then lastly creatine so there is uh some studies that show in creatine um increase with resistance obviously in combination with resistance training as well so I guess there is an element of how much is it the creatine how much is resistance training but it did increase lean mass and strength um so as in it's, and I suppose the point I'm making there is it's obviously dose dose depend dose dose response relationship again because there's obviously a ton of research on creatine improving um lean mass and strength with resistance training um in all all age populations so obviously it is an evidence-based supplement to use so therefore it would be no different i think in in elderly people just i don't know how much extra it'd be in elderly people compared to just resistance training alone the Giuliano galano study 2014 did show a significant increase so that's one thing to do um it's dirt cheap as well let's be honest so. yeah you get a big bag for a few quid don't you so yeah and again it's it's easy to take um yeah and it's definitely better now than it was yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so just recap on that uh nutritionally adequate protein more leucine fish oil creatine simple um, and obviously resistance exercise if you can but 
going back to your point, Ed, I think any any exercise and mobility is going to have an improvement and a potential um, protective effect on muscle mass and bone density, which we are going to move on next because the next part is osteoporosis. Just quickly, sort of looking at that kind of very quick review we've just kind of gone through, it's all the things that we we tell healthy adults to do now and you know anybody to do now so again it's that thing if you can build the habits if you're thinking now and thinking of building yourself for the future whether you're 30 40 50 60 uh, or, or older or you are thinking of your you know parents who may not be quite up to the 80 90 mark or whatever it's it's again building those habits so if you can pop a couple of fish oils every day you can take your creatine you are keeping a high uh dose of protein you are resistance training you are exercising um, and you just continue that through the rest of your life, then you you know you're probably going to live a lot longer and a lot more comfortably uh, than if you didn't do all those things. So mm-hmm. yeah, crack on. Yep, absolutely. So um, low low bone mineral density and osteoporosis. So let's define osteoporosis for that. Don't know. It's obviously a word that I think most people would have then heard. Um, however, may not know exactly what it is. Yeah. So it's a skeletal condition characteristic characterized. Uh, by decreased density, uh, mass, and volume of a normally mineralized bone. And uh, that's uh, Glacier and Kaplan. 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 Put my teeth in. That definition comes from Glaser, Glazer, and Kaplan, 1997. Yeah, so basically you lose bone mineral density or you get lower bone mineral density as you get older, which kind of aligns in with the sarcopenia point as well in the, the you know the muscle mass or your muscle mass reducing as you get older as well as does your bone mineral density which then probably um without too many power deduction result in some of the same issues that we've talked about and risks around falling and um injury and that type of stuff so um yeah so uh, just, uh, let's let's talk about i guess how that happens so with aging what happens is you kind of so much like muscle mass and the the, the muscle protein uh, synthesis equation that we've already talked about you kind of get this thing where you have um, bone reabsorption and bone formation now what happens as you get older is the balance shifts in a negative direction favoring greater bone um, resorption and then basically less bone formation which means you're in the same way your muscle mass reduces when you have a negative um, muscle protein synthesis response over time you get the same with bone you kind of get this reduction in bone mineral density over time as well um, which again is more common in postmenopausal women but also um, really common in uh, basically females and that's I think the reason it's females because this is where most of the research is done on but basically red so um, relative energy deficiency syndrome I think that stands for think about that right yeah basically overtraining is probably the easiest way to describe that now obviously men can overtrain which is why i said it's funny they say in female athlete triad or eating disorders um but that still can be applied to men it's just it's less studied and less noticeable in men because i guess like females as well when they go through reds um lose their periods and, and all that type of stuff whereas we don't lose periods because we don't have them us men i'm gonna get really? some, i'm gonna get some woke folk now tell me um what are you talking about <laughs> A man can be a woman, and a man can have periods. Yeah, that's, that's, another, that. that's another conversation for another day. Um, I suppose that, like a good way of kind of describing in sort of real layman's of what's kind of happening, um, so you can kind of get a picture. It's like if you think of 
you know sponges when they have all the little holes in um so a healthy bone would have very small tight holes and not many of them where well you know, still got you still got them but the, the smaller tighter holes so the the sponge has got a bit more structure to it uh, it's a bit tougher it's not as easy to break and fall apart whereas something that's sort of riddled with osteoporosis and you've got the holes then are a lot bigger and there's a lot more space so if there's more space there's more room for things to potentially bend and snap so not as strong kind of, yeah no, yeah, yeah we know de- density denser materials are generally stronger than um not so dense what's the opposite of dense don't even know me obviously because <laughs> <laughs> i don't know um yeah no that's a good good description so people can can visualize it so um you kind of touched there really on like why it's an issue probably said that really i guess it's like increased fracture risk and stability so if you kind of got low bone mineral density and you do happen to fall over and lose your balance when you're older you have a much higher risk of basically breaking something yes 100 percent. which yeah. feeds into some of the problems we've already said you then got hospital trips and hospital stays which can then accelerate reductions in muscle mass through sarcopenia because you've been bedridden and inactive so you can see why health and well-being in elderly life can for for people that do have things like accidents and falls can mean that their their health just dramatically reduces like so quickly and why it's so important basically to try and avoid this you know this type of thing happening when you're older yeah definitely 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 (laughs) so i mean I guess that's that kind of speaks for itself really um you basically don't want to be frail as you get older because you don't want to break something you don't want to have this risk of um kind of losing all of your own um so basically like when it when someone gets old you basically if they then fall over break a bone um they then lose their independence oh my god why can i think of fucking independence <laughs> basically your independence there is a term for this that state of mind when you can't think of a word that you know it's called lethologica you remembered that we're not independent. Yeah, well, you can always remember the word lethologica. It's obviously quite unique. Um, but yeah, I've been suffering a lot of lethologica, even on this episode. Uh, so yes, people obviously lose their independence when they're older if they fall and break a bone because they then have to be you know, bedridden. They potentially have to be cared for and support and stuff. And obviously that can be quite detrimental again to people's mental health mm-hmm. um, when yeah. they're older, which is a huge problem. So yes, let's talk about... Um, what 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 basically we can do to help minimise or, or kind of help with our bone mineral density as we get older? Yeah, so there's kind of two sort of key ones, I suppose, that we haven't really touched upon uh, with the sarcopenia. Um, so the first one would be calcium. So we kind of know calcium, we get it from milk, things like that. Um, this is what kind of builds our bones. Um, yeah, so uh, by increasing calcium intake, uh, from especially from dietary resources that um, resources dietary sources, uh, this can uh, really sort of really help. Um, just trying to get some dose. so I mean these you know we can talk about doses. So the recommended nutrient intake for fifty plus males is a thousand milligrams a day, and for females is uh, twelve hundred milligrams a day. What's that actually look like? Um, you know, a good glass of milk, basically. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, because I mean, you can say you know, a thousand milligrams. If you're going to supplement it, then brilliant. You can add that in as well. And if you know, then you're getting, you know, you're having some yogurt, you're having some milk, uh, a bit of cheese, stuff like that. You're having other dairy products. 
uh, then you know you're going to be fine. Um, so if you, you can, don't forget calcium in things like your dark leafy veggies and. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you know, if you've got a well balanced diet, then you're going to be getting plenty anyway. Um, but if you do want to be sure, you know, pop a pop a thousand milligrams a day. Um, uh, you know, in, it comes in tablet form. Comes in. Can you get it in a liquid form as well? Um, hmm. um, I've just googled calcium in cow's milk. Uh, so yeah, you, well, actually, doesn't the fat content doesn't change the amount of calcium in it is only three hundred milligrams in average glass so 150 calorie glass so what's that about 300 mils okay so that's yeah that's like a smallish not a smallish glass it's not a pint is it basically well 300 uh, mils 300 yeah. mils is less than a can of coke but I'll give you a yeah. rough, rough yeah. idea so if you're having a pint of milk a day um you know you'd have you'd have 600 milligrams potentially around about that then so for females that's about half of what you should be having so if you're having some uh dark leafy greens bit of cheese um obviously you've got to then watch calorie content with with some of this as well so um you know you can quickly uh realize that you might not be getting enough um so maybe supplementing from it could be a good idea um yeah especially if you are tested and you realize you have low calcium or you've you're in the uh you're sort of on the precipice of uh, osteoporosis yeah i think i mean i don't think people need to worry too much unless i mean you could you could supplement i suppose as you, if we're talking specifically about the older generation and, and the rationale for taking it for bone mineral density i think as a younger person it's probably less of a problem to i don't i, don't, I wouldn't i do well, i've never recommended anyone to really supplement with calcium no. unless there's been yeah. a reason to um just because there's quite a few sources that of, of nu- nutritional sources of of calcium things like even your whey protein nuts seeds um fish with bones in it so like your sardines and your salmon because there's calcium in their buns um obviously i said about dark leafy greens and stuff and some some i mean i guess what you don't even consider we said about a podcast before things like cereals and they're fortified with calcium and that type of stuff so I just found some more kind of recommendations of what 1200 milligrams looks like so 170 grams of whole milk uh, what's that in uh, mil? Oh, I don't know. It's probably like a couple hundred yeah. mils. That can't be right. Oh, it certainly does goes against what the, the what you've just looked at. Yeah, 170 grams of Greek yogurt, uh, half can of sardines, 110 grams of spinach. Jesus, that's probably quite a lot of spinach. <laughs> Turns big, out wet it is. Well, that's, yeah, yeah, it's that's like yeah, the usual bags of spinach in the supermarket, like 100 grams in it. So it's like a whole. So it's sorry, 100. Uh, sorry, 1,200, I'm just looking at the infograph. So that is all of that is 1,200. Ah, right, so it would be a glass of milk. It would be a tub of the, the Fargy Greek yeah. yogurt, the small ones, but half a tin of sardines and some spinach. So, it, I mean, that's, it does that's feel like the sort of food you'd have in a day, doesn't it? So, yeah, yeah, as yeah. in, it isn't impossible to achieve. So there you go. Yeah. Anyway, got to bottom of that. Um, cool. Okay. Do you want to go through vitamin D? Vitamin D, uh, yes. <laughs> I don't know why. Whenever I hear vitamin D, that's all I can think of. Uh, it reminds me of the Paul Rudd uh, film. What's the What's the film with Paul Rudd where he goes? Is uh, oh, that's oh yes, Wonderlust. That's the one with Jennifer Aniston where he's talking to him, he's talking dirty to himself in the mirror. You seen that? If you haven't seen it, go yeah. watch it. It's fucking yeah, so right. funny. In fact, if I find a clip, I'll play it because you can play it. It's good. I want I want you to suck on my dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh so funny um anyway so vitamin d so yes vitamin d is also shown to have a positive effect for bone mineral density um i guess that's also why i used to give vitamin d for kids for rickets as well didn't they so yeah um dac and torrin 2008 
so uh, required for osteoblastogenesis and bone formation. So basically, vitamin D was shown as a requirement for bone formation. I don't know what osteoblastogenesis It's really when, is, but... I'm pretty sure it's when you're, so basically your bones are constantly breaking themselves down and then rebuilding themselves, like in very, very tiny little uh, sort of sections. Um, so it kind of like eats itself, degrades itself, and then builds itself back up stronger um, or, you know, as strong. Um, so I think that is basically the term for that process, I think, isn't it? If um, if you know that and that's true, Edward, I'm I'm incredibly impressed. So let's go with it. Uh, I'm going to pop this into Google. I'm pre- I'm pretty sure. Come come back to me. We'll I'll move yeah. on. You you um, carry on. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Yeah, there was a, a meta-analysis by Reed Bolland and Gray in 2014 that showed the effect of vitamin D on bone mineral density. Um, showed significant benefits at one or or more of the sites that they they obviously studied for each of those uh, those studies, including the meta-analysis. Have you got the answer? Is that where you're mm-hmm. throwing your hands up? Um, <laughs> it's the regulation signals and bone remodeling. So, yeah, yeah. I was right. I remember going through it at uh, university. Interesting. Okay, mm. good. Good. Learned something new today. Um, and, it, I mean, basically, there's all manner of other stuff. Ooms at all, 95. Vitamin D3 supplementation slightly increases PTH secretion and increases bone mineral density at the femoral neck, which is, again, the point that they studied in that study. So, loads of stuff that basically shows that... Um, we should be taking vitamin D to help our bone mineral density if we have a problem with that. And I think the fact that we live in the UK and most people are deficient in vitamin D, it would be a good idea for people to do anyway. So um, there's also a study by Comfort et al. in 1998, which showed 35 to 90. That is obviously quite a, a large range, but 35 to 90% of the institutionalized elderly are estimated to be vitamin D deficient, which you would say is probably quite the same for most of the uk population anyway however yeah um the fact that more elderly are likely to be deficient um and bringing people back into uh normal ranges shows to have these effects on on osteoporosis and bone mineral density in positive effects something that maybe people should kind of look at to do so to practical recommendations then so i think we've kind of they're pretty simple what we just said ensure dietary or adequate dietary calcium optimize your vitamin d levels and make sure you're active so exercise and physical activity particularly weight bearing or resistance so yeah so go for a walk do a bit of jumping happy days don't jump too much though because you might you know if you have osteoporosis osteoporosis, (laughs) it's probably not the best idea but you know if you can go out walking just really small sitting up you know standing up out of a chair and moving about and stuff like that just build and build and build yeah, it's going to be relative to your current uh, capacity and what you can do. Basically, don't what it's saying is don't go out and do something fucking stupid to start with. Um, pick something that is kind of challenging but comfortable, and then kind of try and make it harder as you go. Yeah, um, it's like with kids when they say when they're growing, get them running and jumping and stuff like that to build the the strength of their bones. So, yeah. yeah, I don't, I can't, don't know if there's any evidence behind that, so can't comment. But shall we, um, shall we touch on age induced weight loss quickly then? we wrap up so um i'll let you describe why does it happen and what can be done if you want unless you want me to uh, no no i'll go for it um so basically you can when, when people get older it sometimes happens where like it, it sometimes happens then other other times you can see older people sort of ballooning in weight yeah. uh, i was gonna say i was gonna say that actually like, yeah, is, it, so, is it always bad 
Well, no, yeah. So it's um, it, it depends on where they're at. You know, if they're quite overweight to start off with, not a bad thing. Um, but if they're already, say, quite slim, uh, I, and I reckon this probably happens more in those that are quite slim, those are potentially slightly overweight anyway. Um, they're only going to get more overweight potentially as they get older unless any of these sort of things kind of kick in. So, um, yeah, so it, basically elderly people can uh, get relatively rapid weight loss because of, uh, you know, different sort of senses and stuff start to um, degrade over time and, and um, yeah, stop working. So things like taste and smell, especially if uh, they have had some other health conditions, uh, and they can quite often lose taste and smell, so they're not as bothered uh, by food, they're not as um, as triggered by food. I, suppose, I don't know if that makes sense, but if you know, if you smell something or you sort of like taste a little bit of something, you're like, oh my god, I want some of that or more of that. So you end up having it. You know, you walk past the bakery, you smell the sausage rolls, and think, oh, I want one of those. So you go and get one. Um, so you know, you kind of got a bit of that. So that, that that's kind of not happening. Um, you get greater satiation after a meal. So if they, that's why they do like elderly portions at different restaurants and and smaller smaller bites for elderly people um because they're just they they get fuller quicker um so so yeah um you have a delay in gastric emptying so that's your stomach emptying so you sort of feel um fuller because your stomach's not emptying as quick uh you can have dental problems so obviously if your teeth are hurting if your gums are sore or you've got things like poorly fitted dentures um it can not make eating fun like you know if you've got toothache last thing you want to do is eat so uh yeah and uh, things like dementia and depression and stuff like that uh can people forget to eat they um don't want to eat they yeah uh, a lot of that sort of stuff um and then you can get side effects from medications as well so if you're on something that just kills your appetite you're not going to be hungry and you see that a lot in hospitals um when i've done bits of work in hospitals especially on um, orthopedic wards where they've had hip operations and that sort of stuff um the younger people their appetite doesn't really change that much but the elderly quite often you know it's a bit of a, a fight to get them to eat sometimes so um you get a reduced motive, motivation as well and um and they don't want to go and prepare food they don't want to sort of you know spend half an hour cooking or whatever so they might just have a quick bite of something a snack or you know a sandwich instead of a full meal um and then if you do have lots of illnesses and infections and that sort of stuff then um then yeah that can have a side effect on whether they're eating whether they're hungry and all that sort of stuff so mm-hmm. yeah so that can all cause rapid weight loss in the elderly yep I, you you didn't mention uh increased instance of uh dysphagia is that because you don't want to pronounce it my mum my mum my mum suffers from that actually so like kind of this like stuck it you get food stuck in your throat or kind of feel like you're choking She's yeah, quite a lot of certain foods. And interestingly, because so she won't come out and eat with us anymore. So she'll just have super home. Yeah. Um, so if we're all going out for a meal. She'll be like, yes, I'll um, I'll pay for it for you. And but I'm not coming. Yeah, uh, I mean that that obviously be quite debilitating. I'm sure because mm. you know there, there is a big barrier to eating, and it can therefore affect your their their health in this kind of like production and energy intake. Now, I guess what why is it so even that big of a problem? I guess like. It it does depend on what you're saying, like or like or where you're starting from, as you said at the start, in terms of you know have they got a lot of weight to lose in the first place? Therefore, it might not be a bad thing. But if they're already uh, an average weight or underweight, then losing more weight is obviously a negative issue. Um, there is some studies that shows that 
a, a loss of more than 4% body weight is an independent predictor of mortality. Uh, Wallace et al. in 1995. So basically, it's a predictor of people dying sooner. Um, so, yeah, it is going to be case-by-case basis, but I think you can kind of envisage the types of people or case studies that we're talking about where the older people that just have all these problems and just don't really want to eat or don't have the ability to, to make food anymore because they, maybe they're not particularly... Um, Mo, uh, mobile is the word I'm looking for yeah yeah. if you struggle to get and stand at the, in the kitchen for 20-30 minutes whilst you're yeah. making fresh food like I know so like, again just using a few examples like the nan to dad cooks a lot of meals for her so mm-hmm. instead of her buying ready meals and stuff he cooks a lot of meals and then all she has to do is put it in the microwave she can put it on a frame and walk it back to a seat um, so she's having things that aren't just a sandwich or you know all the carers that go in because she has carers morning and night so the carers can go in and make sure she's eating because there's food there and stuff instead of them just making her a sandwich or whatever so um, and also it has a knock-on effect on the things that we've already spoken about as well so if they're not if they haven't got a great appetite or if they're getting full really quick telling them to sit down and chow on a chicken breast you know that could fill them up completely yeah. is you know, so there might not be then they might go well you know i want to eat these other bits so i'm only going to have half chicken breast or a quarter of a chicken breast or you know that so then they're not eating as much protein so then they then fall um fall at risk to sarcopenia and osteoporosis because they're not having much calcium because yeah. they're not eating much so yeah that is absolutely true um so some practical recommendations then Just while you cough. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. just just the. Uh, it's got coronavirus. A bit like a, when a um, waiter asks you if, if you're enjoying the food, just as a little mouthful. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I kind of like just said a little bit then about um, uh, one one that we kind of do. So meal prep. So yeah, so dad makes a load of food for her, uh, boxes it up, puts it in the freezer, and she can defrost and eat that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, meal prep or delivery services. So you see a lot of these. Meals. Uh, yeah exist. yeah exactly it meals on wheels actually. and uh, they've got a few posh ones now haven't they and all sorts so. and it doesn't even have to be meals on wheels i mean like microwave meals something that can be easily made rather than having to actually prepare stuff which isn't necessarily like a negative thing when it comes to nutritional content because some there are some decent microwave meals out there nowadays that are actually full of nutrients well-balanced macronutrients um and quality wise reasonably okay like pretty good you know so there shouldn't be any yeah. reason why you can't maybe just stock up on microwave meals stuff like that if if your like grandmother doesn't want to cook or your mum doesn't want to cook that type of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, not everybody has the luxury of being able to do that and, um, and make food for the family, and, and they might not see them as much and stuff. So um, yeah, but then obviously, like if you're going to go and buy, you know, what, what was the posh one, Wiltshire Farm Foods or something, uh, you can guarantee that it's probably like a five six pound a meal. So realistically somebody who's on state pensions got minimal savings they're not going to be able to afford that um, but again you want that nutrient density so um can you go and yeah get get a different sort of uh, option so just going and having a look at the packets and then just having five or six different ones that you know are good and you can give them the list then or you can go buy it for them or whatever from from the supermarket so yeah um then you can go for look at the energy density so i know when we're talking about dieting normally we say oh you know go for low calorie high volume foods well do the opposite give them something that is uh low volume very dense uh got low fiber uh quite often you know if he's got fat in you know like things like nuts and stuff like that or oily fishes um things that have got you know a good amount of fat in um then that can be really good for for either snacking on or uh, for, for having as a meal and, and you can get a lot of calories and for, yeah. for not a lot of food I, th- I think on that point it's going to come down to like what will they eat 
so whatever you can get them to eat, eat obviously ideally you would aim for kind of energy dense but still nutrient dense foods like your nuts seeds your dry fruit um well I say dry fruit reasonably and nutrient dense um i guess because that way you can take the opportunity to not only get them calories in to help with this um potential weight loss but also you kind of still make sure they're getting tons of nutrient dense or nutrient dense foods to make sure that they're they're fully supported in their their latter part of their life yeah yeah definitely and and kind of on that you, you look at like liquid calories as well so like brett said about giving his parents whey shakes uh or like whey protein so you can look at potentially putting a little bit away and getting them to make a, a basic like a milkshake or something or a smoothie or you know if they're kind of that way inclined or you can kind of get those sorts of things in them and quite often then you might almost trick them into eating a bit more as well so if they think they're just having like a fruit smoothie um and and food and that could be that could be way better than just just the food or whatever way so better. way better <laughs> um there's some thought to reducing caffeine intake and um keep their hunger levels up and um you know if they're smashing back a lot of liquid on the side um then potentially their stomach may be fuller and and that so yeah by reducing caffeine intake uh you could get them to eat a little bit more and yeah. just giving them things that taste nice as well. So um, I think I think, yeah. I think obviously like you're a stereotypical old person drinking tea all day. Like if they're just drinking tea all day, is that stopping them them eating meals because you know they're filling up on liquids? It's, it's obviously a fair consideration. I guess that also goes with snacking. So if they are snacking frequently, are those snacks compromising kind of their intake at meals? So not only you know the amount of food they eat and therefore the amount of calories and therefore is that is that kind of adding to this issue of of weight loss but again we're circling back to the points around what made other things is it then pushing out nutrients from other foods like protein and calcium and you know other foods that are then affecting things like osteoporosis and muscle mass so something that yeah. again have to consider so yeah yeah definitely yeah <clears throat> i've got a right old tickle um oh, good job good job we're at the end i think that's it so I don't. I don't know if we need a recap or not because we've kind of recapped on each section. But um, just again, just muscle mass, bone density, and age-induced weight loss is is a predictor of basically people dying, unfortunately, uh, when they're older. So they're just three things that you need to consider as you get older. Don't start. Don't don't wait till you're old to do it. Start now, as Ed said, is kind of one of the key measures that I would like people to take home. Um, and we've kind of already talked around the ways to do that is high protein high leucine consider supplement with fish oils creatine calcium maybe if you're not eating foods that contain calcium not the ones we mentioned um and then we've you know i'm not going to re- go, go over the, the considerations for helping people consume a few more calories when they're older because we've just done that but hopefully that was enjoyable um and more structured and uh information dense episode yeah, trying, trying yeah. to appease our listeners because we are trying to listen to the reviews that we get and improve the show for people yeah definitely yeah people obviously listen because they want to learn stuff so but what i am yeah. now going to do is i'm going to talk about my easter egg edward you've already seen it so it's funny how uh, yeah so this is a reese's peanut butter egg but not just a chocolate egg with sure. then extra a hollow, a hollow you know, egg. whatever yeah a hollow egg this is a in all fairness it is a small egg it's 170 um, grams and i tried to describe the size of uh, actually do you know what i've just found that it's probably about the size of a computer mouse 
Maybe slightly yeah. bigger. Maybe just yeah, slightly bigger. Big, so give you a rough bigger, idea yeah. of how big it is. Um, and it's not just a hollow egg, but it is full of the uh, Reese's, Reese's peanut goodness. We don't know where this has come from. Um, and uh, yeah, but I, I was saying because I had a Reese's egg, a hollow egg today, and the chocolate was a bit meh. And uh, I said this would be so much better if it was full of peanut butter, and um, not thinking they existed, but clearly they do. It, it was made by the Hershey Company in Mexico, apparently. So, and it's got oh. a red sticker over its label, which suggests to me it was imported. Uh, right, um, so it's been bought. As in, up, yeah, it's right? got a red nutritional label, as in they've had to repackage it into meet our uh, current UK standards. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wouldn't say EU standards because we are no longer in the EU. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Um, I'll be interested to slice that bad boy out, open another time, and see what it's like. So, because I've not seen it before, like I say, it was a gift from my uh, father-in-law's girlfriend. So, for Easter, because she knows how much I like Reese's. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I'm quite jealous. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to have a look now and see if I can get what's what's it called? A Reese's. Reese's. It just says milk chocolate Reese's peanut butter egg. Now, obviously, you can buy the mini ones, which are just like your Reese's cups, but or your usual, all your other festive ones, like your pumpkins and your Christmas trees. But obviously, they're small things. This is a. Um, I'd imagine this is going to be a bit more like you know you can buy the giant Santas or um, they're like four or five quid or something, and they're like mm. a giant Santa. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's going to be a bit, like, a bit more like that, where it's got like a thicker chocolate outside and filled. It's probably a similar sort of size as well, I'd imagine. Well, I've just tap this into google and um, the first hit was ebay 13 quid out sure. of stock out of stock oh, I, might um, sell, I might just sell on ebay yeah yeah uh let's see what amazon said. Yeah, I, I, I have no idea where she got it from but um, unavailable on amazon uh, on, i've got a collector's item here i know hershey's company it just says oops uh walmart maybe jack jackson if you've got them in your supermarkets, well, yeah, let, let's let's shout Jack out because when he first moved to the to Arkansas, he did offer to send me a can of Bang energy drink, and I told him not to because I said it's ridiculous to for him to really do that because it probably cost him about ten quid to post a bloody thing. So um, yeah, you can get it. you can get them over here, Bang. Yeah, it was a particular flavour. I can't remember what it was uh, now. Okay. It was something like Palmer Violet or something. That I thought oh, that's oh. I like the idea of that or. I don't know, whatever it was, I was like, yeah, I want to try that. So he said, oh, I'll send you one. I was like, no, nah, mate, don't do that. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Probably end up with yeah. a hole in it and I was, come back empty. I, yeah, well, I was just being polite, going, come on, I really wanted to send it, but he didn't didn't kind of hang off it again. So. <laughs> he didn't then do it anyway. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking, Take Jack. Take the hint, Jack. Take yeah. the hint. Send me the bang. Send me the bang. <laughs> yeah, right. yes, just text me, actually. So, uh, oh, yeah. Reply yeah. back and say, send me some bang, please. Yeah, yeah. Give me your bang. <laughs> You've had uh, a bang before. Right. On that note, bonjour. See you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. We'll speak to you all next week.